Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses, I've raised millions of pounds of investment, and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks, and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice, and everything else you need to know to start, scale, and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. Today, I'm going to do my best to answer every Ray Properties question. How do I source existing HMOs and then verify grandfather rights? This is such a good question and so, so important. And I bet for a lot of people listening, they'll be thinking, hmm, what on earth is grandfather rights? Well, it's nothing to do with grandfathers. So if you're interested And if you're thinking about buying HMOs, then you absolutely need to know this. So don't go anywhere. Sit back, relax, and please do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode of the HMO Podcast. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, welcome back to the show. So today I'm answering Everly Ray's question, how do I source existing HMOs and then verify grandfather rights? This is a superb question and I'm really looking forward to answering this today actually. So first of all, for anyone who is just thinking, what the hell do grandfathers have to do with HMOs? <laughs> let's, let's get some clarity. Grandfather rights kind of really relates to planning and We know that if there's an Article 4 direction in place, we need planning permission. We need planning permission to say that we can actually use this property as a HMO. If there's no Article 4 direction, that's generally a permitted development right. So anywhere else, you can buy a property, you can turn it into a HMO that's permitted. You don't need any planning permission. If there's an Article 4 direction, we need planning permission. And we need to be able to demonstrate and evidence that planning permission. And grandfather rights is... The idea that if a HMO has been up and running and existing as a HMO since an Article 4 direction came into place, then irrespective of whether it's been granted a formal planning certificate, if the planners haven't actually identified it and said, yes, you can use this house as a HMO, we can still use it so long as we can evidence that. And that evidence, that historic evidence, we sometimes term as grandfather rights. It's almost kind of by virtue of having it previously and continuously We've got that grandfathered permission to continue using it as a HMO. So what Everly Ray Property is asking is how do we actually determine and get comfortable with 
that evidence to satisfy grandfather rights. So we're going to talk about that in today's episode. So there are two parts to this question. First of all, how do I source existing HMOs? So let's start there. That sounds like a good place to kick today's episode off. Now, I'm going to keep it really simple and I'm going to be really, really honest with you. The best way to buy or the best way to kind of identify existing HMOs is to look at the open market. The truth is any savvy or most savvy landlords at the minute will take their property to the open market because that's where it gets the most exposure and the more interest it gets, the more likely it is that they're going to get the price that they want or in the current climate to get a price above their asking price or guide and agents and landlords are being very clever and being very savvy at the minute because they know there's so much interest in existing and up and running HMOs that actually going to the open market and causing that buyer's frenzy is working in their favour because people like us are having to bid the properties up and up and up. I paid 25 grand over the asking price or something in January. I know people all over the country who are having to do exactly the same thing. So the truth is, the majority, and I would say quite literally 85%, 90% of stock, existing HMOs, is going to the open market. Now, most of that will find its way to either Rightmove or Zoopla or Prime Location. Remember that not all agents actually have registrations with Zoopla and Rightmove. A lot of agents, particularly in the last couple of years, have actually started to break their long-standing relationships with some of the big portals Right move, if you're not already aware, is incredibly expensive, unbelievably expensive. It's one of the biggest costs to agents. And some agents are starting to look at alternatives. Some will just use Zoopla, some will drop Zoopla and continue to use Right Move, some will use both. But not every agent will necessarily use every portal. And in fact, that would now be kind of rare, except for the bigger agents. You might also find that there are some portals that are maybe less established, but a bit more specific to existing HMOs. So the property advantage and the guys who run that company are often hanging out over in the HMO community, actually, they sell up and running and going concerns. They actually work with landlords who want to sell existing HMOs and they have a good selection of existing HMOs to sell to investors. So that is an area that you could look as well. Now, beyond the obvious portals, there are a few other things that you can do and a few other areas that you can look in. One of the great things about HMOs is that they all need to be managed. Now, of course, some landlords manage themselves, but if you want to be really smart about it, you know, think about, okay, where are all of the keys held for all these HMOs? And of course, that is with the HMO managers. So in big cities like Manchester and Sheffield and Liverpool and areas of London, Birmingham, those areas, those cities are actually flooded with agents managing HMOs. Now, yes, a lot of them will be managing student HMOs because primarily that is how, that's where the HMO markets come from. But the great thing is those guys know everybody. They know all of the landlords. The likelihood is anybody selling in the open market or anybody thinking about selling HMO, these guys will know first. So if you can establish a relationship with an agent, a letting agent who specializes in HMO property management, then there's a good chance that they might be able to introduce you to some landlords and to some property owners who are thinking about selling their properties. They might still end up on the open market, but you might get the heads up that it's happening first. You might be able to get something off market. I certainly have done in the past as well. So that's definitely something that you could and probably should be looking at. 
A couple of other areas to look at are obviously the auctions. The auction house in Sheffield at the minute is really quite busy with HMOs. The reason is because they get a huge amount of exposure and in part because this piece around Article 4 is actually quite pertinent and we'll go into a bit more detail about that when we talk about grandfather rights. Putting it in an auction puts that time pressure on it and for some people it means that they have to kind of ignore or they choose to ignore the fact that they should collect the evidence to show and demonstrate that it's compliant. And if you think that some landlords maybe don't have all that paperwork or have lost some of that evidence over the years. In Sheffield, for example, the Article 4 reduction goes back 11 years. Well, a lot of landlords actually haven't kept that paperwork for 11 years, and that's a bit of a problem. And they know that this might be a bit of a problem going to the open market, so they bung it in the auction where there's going to be a lot of interest, a lot of frenzy, and it's buyer beware. Now, that's not the case for everything at all, so please don't think that everything in the auction will lack the evidence that it needs. That's absolutely not the case. I bought an auction before with everything and there's still lots of examples and I'm looking at a few in the auction right now as well and they look absolutely fine. So just bear that in mind. But the auction room is definitely a good place to look. Now, usually a local auctioneer will probably have the majority of these sorts of investments. So going concerns, existing HMOs for sale. But you could also look nationally Big auction houses like SDL, they're huge auction houses and you will see HMOs up in there for sale as well. But they tend to perform better in local auctions because some people do miss the national auctions and people looking to invest in HMOs tend to have a really keen eye on what's going on locally. So it's just kind of more befitting that that would be in a local auction. There's an interesting platform that you could look at called EIG. And they basically specialise in auctions and they captured auctions and auction data all over the country. You can filter it. There's lots of really useful information there. So it doesn't matter where you are in the country. Let's say you're based in the southwest, but you're thinking about investing in the northeast. Or maybe you're open to investing anywhere in the country. Or maybe you're an overseas investor. Maybe you're in Singapore or America, you know, whatever. And and actually looking at investing HMOs here. Well, EIG is a good place to look because you can keep an eye on all of the auctions and all the stuff that's going on in all of the auctions there, which is much easier than trying to identify the local auctions. I wouldn't have a clue what the local auctioneer is called in Bristol, for example. And using something like EIG will really help get a good eye on the whole field. So that's EIG property auctions. If you do want to check it out, but bear in mind, you'll need a subscription. It's not free. Now, of course, just identifying existing HMOs is only a part of what we need to do. We then need to actually get our foot through the door. We need to be getting viewings booked really, really quickly. At the minute, it's really popular. And actually, a lot of a lot of agents are putting limitations on the number of viewings they're doing. They're being really restrictive about when they'll let you view. You've kind of got to fit into their tiny window, which is really frustrating. But at the minute, we kind of have to just jump through those hoops. So what I would say to you is make sure that you are putting time aside to do regular viewings. If you really want to acquire some property, if you really want to source some good HMOs, you need to be doing this. It's no good just identifying stuff on the open market and then haphazardly trying to look at one or two. You need to be really, really strategic. You need to set yourself some targets. I actually would recommend setting yourself some KPIs about the number of viewings that you do. Get yourself a certain number of viewings booked every single week and try and make that target every single week. You're going to get knocked back a lot and making sure that you get in to see quite a few so that you can throw quite a bit of mud at the walls and sort of see what sticks is is actually really important right now. Hopefully you can find and identify enough properties to actually do that. But I would really recommend and make sure 
that you're getting those viewings booked and you're being quite strategic about the number of viewings and the consistency of the viewings. Then, of course, you've got to start putting the offers in. Now, a lot of people are getting concerned and put off by the asking prices, by the amount of interest, the number of people there at open viewings. Don't be. You need to go away, do your numbers, knock them up in the deal stack or in the HMO roadmap, figure out what your upper bid limit is, come to a conclusion on what you're prepared to offer, and you need to just get that offer in. Don't worry about whether that's lower than their asking price. Don't worry about whether you heard something else or overheard someone at the viewing. Just get that offer in. You need to get your hat in the ring. It's really, really important. So many times people are putting offers in at the minute and then actually retracting them when a bit further down the line, they're finding that the refurb's actually going to cost way more than they thought. They, They haven't been savvy. They haven't really been smart about what's involved. Maybe they haven't thought about some other stuff. And sometimes that stuff comes back to the market. But rather than go back to the open market, go back on the portal and do all of that, the agent will start calling back through the people who did put offers in. And that could be your opportunity then. This is called pipelining. So it's really important to pipeline as many deals as you can. If a property is decent, even if you think the price is well over odds, just put your offer in. It helps manage the expectations of the agent. And don't worry about upsetting people. I'm not talking about putting daft offers in. You know, they've got to be sensible. They've got to be within the realms of what's possible. But just get that offer in. And if it's a no, leave it. It's absolutely fine. Move on to the next thing. I promise you, at some point, one of these deals is going to come back to you. And actually, if you put a lot of these offers in, you can end up with quite a few opportunities on your hands. And that is a really great place to be. That's exactly where you want to be, having that sort of choice. So hopefully that answers the first part of the question. How do I source existing HMOs? Let's move on to the second part of that question. How do I verify grandfather rights? So like I said earlier on in the episode, this is about verifying. This is about collecting the evidence that gives us the confidence and assurance that the house or the property, the HMO, is compliant with regards to planning in the Article 4 direction. Now, remember that what we need is a continuous record of its use as a HMO since the Article 4 direction came into force. So let's say an Article 4 direction came into force 10 years ago in this particular city. You're looking at buying a property and the Article 4 direction in that city came in 10 years ago. What that means is we need to demonstrate 10 years worth of continuous records to demonstrate that it has been used consistently as a HMO and at no point has it reverted to being used as a single let. Now, before moving on, there's a quick caveat here. Some councils are happy with that continuous record being for like the last four or five years. There's very few councils where that's the case, but there are some. So check it out with your local council. But certainly everywhere where I exist, that's not the case. They're really, really strict on it. And they want everything right back to the date that that Article 4 came into force. So what evidence do we actually need to support the grandfathered rights? The gold standard, the absolute gold standard, and in some cases, the only thing that will be accepted by a council are tenancy agreements. The tenancy agreement, a signed tenancy agreement, showing that at least three people, or tenancy agreements that were in place simultaneously, showing that at least three people living in the property are the best you're going to get. Ideally, in an ideal world, you'd have the tenancy agreement for every single year since the Article 4 direction came into place and every single year it would show that at least three people were living there. But that's a problem because a lot of landlords simply just don't, haven't kept those records. So what do you do if there are gaps? Or what do you do if 
there's very little of that stuff. Well, that's where it really starts to get tricky. What we need to do is construct a picture where there is enough evidence to almost prove beyond reasonable doubt that it was anything but a HMO consistently. Now, this would be to satisfy the council. If they ever came knocking and tried to enforce you and said, hello, you know, we, we believe you're using your house as a HMO and we want you to prove that it's actually legal. This is when you're going to need that information. If you want to apply for a certificate of lawfulness, you're going to need this information to submit to the council for them to be able to give you an opinion and then hopefully grant you that certificate of lawfulness to say that it, it is indeed compliant. Your lender and in fact, lenders do want to need this information as well. If you buy a house in cash and there was some paperwork missing and maybe some compliance bits missing, when you come to refinance it at some point down the line, that lender, it could be a lender in 10 years might ask for it. And if you don't have it, what do you do at that point? You know, if you don't have this evidence. So this is really serious stuff. If you're thinking about proceeding on a property that doesn't have everything, you really need to understand that the risks are pretty massive. Now, at what point do you sort of draw the line? That's the really difficult question to answer here. Personally, if on like a 10-year requirement, let's say, if I had eight and I was missing two, I would probably feel like that's okay. But for those two years, I would need something. I would want council tax records to say that it was being used as something, or I would like a written statement from the owners to say that it was being used as a HMO, but they just can't find the paperwork. You know, you can actually get that as a as a written and sworn declaration through the solicitors. What that means is that they are kind of saying in the eyes of the law that it was, and actually if they were being untruthful, they would be in perjury, I guess. But that is something that you can ask them to get. I bought one where in the middle of sort of the, I think, 10 or 11 years that I needed, there was a year when they just had nothing. And actually, they were able, the, the seller was able to provide me with some evidence to show that actually it was on the market and they tried to sell it, but it didn't sell. So then they did some works and improvements and then they got it let and then they continued to use it. And that was okay. Remember, it's okay if the property was empty and something like that was happening. The only issue is if the property reverts to being used as a single let. Now, if we've got a gap... The council will take that as, well, it was probably being used as a single let, so we're going to take the permission away from you. The burden of, of proof is on us, and that's really important to understand. That burden of proof is on us. We have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that it was being used as HMO. So if we can prove that it was at least empty or being refurbished or it had been empty because it was on the market, that's great. That's a really logical and very well-justified argument, and if we can put some evidence in there. And in this case, we did. They had actually some screenshots of the listing on the portal at that time. So that was really, really helpful. If it was just a completely empty record, nothing from the seller, no council tax records, nothing at all, that would be a bit of a problem. How do we explain nothing? But the less you have in the form of tenancy agreements, the more difficult it becomes to prove its use. So I guess this is to some extent a personal one. I want at least 80%, but I still want something to absolutely you know, give me some assurance that those years that are outstanding were actually still being used. So I want, let's say, 80% tenancy agreements and then 20% something else would be okay for me. But your risk appetite might not be quite there. And that might not satisfy every lender. You know, it has so far been okay with everyone I've been lending with. I've actually been enforced, by the way, and the council are extremely aggressive. One of the big myths is that 
a HMO license would satisfy as evidence that we can use in you know when we're trying to demonstrate grandfather rights. And I actually specifically remember speaking to one council about this. We were missing some, and I said, "Well, you know, look, it does have a HMO license, so clearly the intention was there." And they said, "Well, yes, the intention was obviously there to use it as a HMO, but the HMO license only says that you are permitted to let it to that number of people. What it doesn't at all." do is demonstrate that those people were actually living there. And when the council said this to me, when this person on the phone said this to me, I really realised that the council are actually out to get us here. The council are not on our side here. They really want to take that property back and hand it back to the residential market. And they make our life very, very difficult. So you need to remember that if you are missing something and you do get an enforcement notice, and that could be just a neighbour making a phone call, calling the council saying that I believe there's an illegal HMO on my street. Can you come and check it out? If you don't have what they need, it could be very, very difficult for you. Now, if you've bought a property that's commercially valued, if you've bought a property in an area or a location or on a street that wouldn't really make sense to use as anything but a HMO, what do you do? How do you sell it? You're going to struggle to sell it without the compliance. You're going to struggle to get lending. You're going to have an enforcement notice from the council. They're going to inform your lender. The consequences of not getting this right are really, really big. So I guess to underline this point... In an ideal world, you'd have tenancy agreements for every single year dating back to the inception of the Article 4 direction. Personally, I'm comfortable at 80%, but I still want something like a declaration from the seller or some other form of evidence in the way of maybe council tax records or rent statements or money coming into the bank, which was from tenants, something like that. But if that was missing and I had two empty years and I had absolutely nothing and no sensible, logical argument to present, honestly, I wouldn't buy it. I just don't want to take that sort of risk. You might feel different about that if you were buying cash and you didn't have the issue of maybe a lender being on your back about it. Maybe you'd feel different still, but that's certainly where I'm at with this. So hopefully you can gather all of the tenancy agreements since that Article 4 direction came into force. If you can't, you're going to have to take a position and that will depend on how comfortable you are. But hopefully I've made it pretty clear that I need pretty much everything. Once you've got it, get it locked away in a file and keep it forever. That's your gold. That is so valuable. If you ever get enforced, you're going to have to get that out. If your lender ever asks you for permission now or in the future, you're going to have to get that out. If you ever decide that you want to apply for a certificate of lawfulness, you're going to have to get that out and give it to the council. That's the evidence that you need so that they can grant it to you. That is your gold. Now, when I offer on a HMO, when I actually put my offer in writing, it's always subject to satisfactory evidence, your compliance within the Article 4 direction, always. And I make it very, very clear that I want that evidence before we do any searches. I make it super clear that we're not spending any money on this HMO until we have got that evidence from you. It should be simple. You've told us that it's compliant, so just give us the paperwork, send it straight over, send it to me today, I'm in my office. But beware, a lot of stuff will come to the market, a lot of agents will say, yeah, yeah, it's got it, it's all compliant. And then you find out that it doesn't. You know, I would say 50% of the stuff that I've pursued, unfortunately, just doesn't have the evidence. Agents so frequently get confused between licensing and Article 4 directions and planning permission. They say, yeah, 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 it's got a HMO license. And you think, oh, you know, when I hear that, I think, oh, here we go. If it doesn't have the tenancy agreements, it needs some things that are pretty close to them. So there you go. 
That is how to deal with grandfather permission. So hopefully that's been a useful episode. I've actually really, really enjoyed talking about this today. Um, These are superb questions. These are really important for anybody actively investing today. So thank you, Everly Ray Property, for your fantastic question. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Look, this has been a really technical episode. We're getting into some pretty detailed stuff when it comes to buying HMOs and some really important stuff if we're thinking about building a portfolio. There's a lot more of this really important context and key information that you need to know if you're building a portfolio, waiting for you inside the HMO roadmap, plus lots of really useful downloadable templates, cheat sheets, swipe files, and all sorts of goodies there waiting for you, plus the deal stacker, expert masterclasses, we've got the full 60 lesson roadmap, and so much more. Honestly, I guarantee for £48 a month, you'll be absolutely blown away by everything waiting for you inside. So head on over there and check that out now. And if you've got 30 seconds to leave a really quick review of the podcast, I'd appreciate it so, so, so much. Honestly, I can't tell you how much it means and how much it helps. You can leave a review on Apple and you can also now leave a review on Spotify. So whichever platform you tend to use, please, please, please take 30 seconds to leave a quick review of the show. Let us know what you think about it. It'll help us continue to bring more fantastic guests onto the show. That's it. I'll be right back here next time. So join me then for another installment of the HMO podcast. 